This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Unnecessary roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's unnecessary roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. Welcome here, Raider Nation, to Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. On the road today, Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, Raiders HQ in Henderson. Very excited to be here for the next couple hours. And I'll tell you right now, man, we are locked and loaded. There are so many things going on around the NFL. There's so many things going on with the Raiders, so much going on on today's show. I'm so excited about it. I tell you each and every day that the show flies by. It's a two-hour show, but I could do four hours. I would love to do four hours each and every day. Now, I better not say that too loud because the powers that be may say, Okay, let's go ahead and take you up on that offer and make me do four hours. But I'm telling you, on days like this, you wish you had extra time. Uh, just came off a great show of JT the Bricks talking about Raider haters in uh, national media. And I, I found that to be a great conversation and just to hear all the great feedback that we got off the Raider Nation listener line. So, uh, of course, we all here at Raider Nation Radio 920 do appreciate the feedback whenever you chime in on the show at any at any time of the, the show or any day uh, or a day part of the station. So we definitely appreciate that. But, man, we got a lot to get to, so let's go ahead and jump right into it. As you heard on JT's show, uh, it was announced today, former Raiders wide receiver Cliff Branch and 15-year-old NFL or 15-year NFL head coach Dick Vermeil were selected as the senior finalists and coach finalists, respectively, for the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2022. Uh, that means that Cliff Branch is one step closer to getting into the place where he should have been in a long time ago, which is the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and uh, excited about that because he's the one senior finalist. So... Pretty good chance that he's going to make it in, you know, and we'll have John McClain from the Houston Chronicle on the show on Thursday, and he'll tell you really the whole process of what goes on when it comes down to to determining who's going to be in the Hall of Fame. He has no problem sharing that that process with us, and he'll let you know. And he told me uh, well before Tom Flores was put in, he said, hey, Q, we've gone through the process. Coach Flores is in. And, of course, you've got to go through all the, you know, the all the protocols, the rubber stamping. You've got to do the votes, and I do that in air quotes, but – I mean, once they get to a certain point, they just kind of rubber stamp it. And you'll hear from John McClain on Thursday. As a matter of fact, at 2.30, he'll join the show uh, Thursday. Every Thursday he's on, and he'll tell you about that. So very excited. I heard JT get a little emotional just talking about Cliff Branch. And we all uh, had the same question leaving Canton, Ohio this past year. When's the next time that the Raiders are going to be there? When's the next time we're going to be there uh, covering the Raiders? And we did not know because we said, you know what, Cliff Branch will be the next one in, but when's he going to get in? Is he going to get in? It looks like he's going to get in. So very excited about that. You'll actually hear at some point of the show, you'll hear um, you'll hear the conversation that uh, David Baker, the president of the Hall of Fame, had with uh, Cliff Branch's sister, allow, letting her know that, uh, that Cliff is a senior finalist. Uh, also, uh, the Raiders have made some roster moves, and uh, this is uh, coming on the, the strength that they had to get down to 80 by 1 o'clock this afternoon, and they have done that. They waived Marcel Aitman. They also waived injured defensive tackle Darius Stills and placed linebacker Darren Lee on injured reserve. So those are the three more moves that they had to make to get down to 80. And uh, that's unfortunate for Marcel Aitman, who's been around. And matter of fact, talked to the media on Saturday following the game against the Rams. Uh, and, and he's been around the team for about four years now. And so he has been uh, waived. And uh, also Darius Stills, a guy that I was pretty excited about. The young man out of uh, West Virginia, undrafted free agent. Uh, I, I knew it wasn't looking good for him when he was injured and banged up. You know, it just again, if you're an undrafted free agent, you've got to be out there and you've got to be competing. Now, that doesn't mean that he can't revert back to, you know, injured reserve. Or that doesn't mean that at some point they can't find a way to get him back on the practice squad and he goes through waivers. I mean, all that still is a process. But just for a young man that was, you know, attempting to make this squad and uh, I thought that he had an opportunity to do something, Darius Steeles has been waived. Uh, and he is injured, and then plays linebacker Darren Lee on injured reserve, so his season is over. So that's some more news that's going on, but it doesn't stop there. No, no, it doesn't. How about this? Talk about injured reserve. The Dolphins have put wide receiver Lynn Bowden Jr. on IR with a hamstring injury. He suffered at practice last week. Bowden was originally a 2020 third-round pick of the Raiders, uh, and according to Cameron Wolf, who covers the Dolphins like a glove, he said uh, – Bowden was going to have a hard time getting much playing time in the Dolphins' remade wide receiver group. Bowden's season is done, barring a release and injury settlement. And I bring that up. One, I hate injuries. 
I really do. It's just an ugly part of the game that we all realize is, a, is something that can happen at any time. We see it every preseason. We see it every offseason. We see it throughout the course of the regular season. There's always guys that go down, and then their seasons are over. Being put on IR right now before the season starts, you can't come back. So like Cameron said, Limbo and Jr.'s season is over. But I, I do want to go back, and I'm not at any way, please do not get this twisted, not making fun, poking fun, or anything at this situation for Limbo Jr. Because, again, I genuinely hate any injuries, and I hate any player having to go through that and not being able to live out their dream. But if you remember, if you remember, there was a, an article not too long ago. It was, it was out, and it really made its, its, its rounds, especially all over Twitter, and it was a conversation piece about, you know, the Raiders gave up on Lynn Bowden Jr. way too soon, and now that he's away from the silver and black, he's going to take this, the, the season on by storm and take the NFL, and they don't know the ultimate weapon. Uh, and Tyler Dunn, matter of fact, he used to work for Bleacher Report. He doesn't now. He's got his own kind of outlet. He put that out. He did an article, and he spent some time with uh, Lynn Bowden Jr. there in Florida. And, again, I'm not poking fun at this situation. I just remember that article and how it caught fire and how much – I mean, how much like fire and grimstone there was and uh, everyone coming after the Raiders. Oh, they they made this decision. Why would you get a guy in the third round and then move on from him? You don't know the big mistake that you made. Well, Lynn Bowden Jr. didn't do a whole lot his rookie year when Miami after the Raiders decided to make the decision to, to trade him to Miami because he just wasn't going to fit with the team. They decided instead of trying to make him fit, just move on from him. So they did. And, yeah, they, you know, they caught a little bit of, of flack for that because he was a third-round pick, and you don't expect a third-round pick to get traded before the season even starts his rookie year. But that's ultimately what they did. They made the decision. Again, a wise decision. Don't try to force something that's just not going to fit. And then that article came out, and I remember a lot of people asked me what my thoughts on the article were and if I was going to do a podcast about it. I was like, no, I'm not going to waste my time on that. It sounds like a guy who spent a lot of time with this player and really got to know him. And I'll tell you this from personal experience, when you spend some time with, with somebody, whoever it is, and you kind of get to know them, especially if they're an athlete. And I'll, I'll use Darius Steeles, for example. I mean, and I don't even – I didn't even spend any time with him, but I watched him play enough uh, in the Big 12 to think that, hey, this guy has an opportunity to be a player for the Raiders, you know, even as an undrafted free agent. So you start to root for these guys. You start to root for the story. You start to, you know, hope that they can make that move. And so I could see Tyler Dunn, who's a well-respected um, writer, I could see him having that, that little glimpse of, hey, I think this guy could be something. And, boy, that would be a heck of a get for the Dolphins. But then you have a guy like Cameron Wolf who covers the Dolphins like a glove who said he was barely going to get some playing time. You know what I'm saying? So it's just uh, sometimes these, some of these articles, especially in the offseason, are put out there and you just kind of say, oh, okay. And, you know, it, it really goes for reaction. You know, and I remember that article and, and it got a ton of, of reaction. It got a ton of people's feedback and, and conversation from it. And it just it kind of is what it is. So uh, unfortunately for Lynn Bowden Jr., uh, he's, his season, his 2021 season is over. Uh, he may be released by Miami and get an injury settlement and then he'll – you know, have to go through waivers and, and, and he'll get picked up from someone. Again, a third-round pick that's got a lot of speed. He'll get picked up from somebody. But in 2021, you will not see Lynn Bowden Jr. on the football field. Also, another piece of news, and I'm telling you, we got a lot to get to, and I haven't even told you about the guests that we have coming up on the show. But I'm so excited. Today is actually the first day that I get to talk about the Tom Flores High School Coach of the Week. We're going to do this every single week. We had Coach Flores on about a week ago talking about this, pro this, this, this uh, program that the Raiders have teamed up with with all the high school football coaches here in the Las Vegas area. Uh, I'm very big on high school football. I think it's great for the community. I think everyone rallies around it. It's awesome. So every single week there is a, a high school coach of the week uh, announced, and then they're in the running to be the high school coach of the year. And there's a lot that goes with that. And so each and every week on this show, around this time, I'm going to announce on Tuesday, about 2.05, 2.10, I'm going to announce who the coach of the week is. And so this week's coach of the week, and you'll hear from him on the show as well, uh, very excited to, to talk about this as I go frantically through all my notes. <laughs> but there's just so much I have sitting here. Need me to van uh, for you? I'll give you a drum uh, roll. No, yeah, yeah, go ahead. There you go. Damon's like, I just need to get into the I just need to get into the show. Go on and give me the, the good the good drum roll. That's all you got. That's all I get, huh? Yeah. That's all I get. All right. Well, Desert Oasis High High Foot Desert Oasis High School football coach Brant Smith. He is the Tom Flores High School coach of the week. 
Uh, he helped lead his team to a 9-8 non-conference win over Spring Valley last Thursday in the season opener for both teams. Uh, Desert Oasis got a game-winning 42-yard field goal late in the third quarter. And I'll tell you right now, man, 9-8, to you don't see that very often in high school football games. But that was the final score right there. Uh, there's a lot to get to when I get to talk to Coach Smith, but he'll join us on the show today at 3.20 to talk about and break down that game. And there was a there was a lot to like in that. And, and, and to kick a 42-yard field goal, the ultimate is going to win you the game. They kicked that in the third quarter. The, the kicker had, had missed an extra point earlier in the game. So going through his mind as he's out there attempting a 42-yard field goal is, I can't miss it. I can't miss this one like I missed the extra point. And really the extra point was uh, it was a miss based off the fact that uh, – that the snap wasn't as great. And, you know, it's the first, first week of the season. You know, things are going to happen, you know, and it's hot out still. And, uh, you know, these guys uh, missed a whole season last year. And so there's a lot of butterflies going through your belly. And so there was a lot of pressure on the line, but uh, came up with the 9-8 victory. So uh, Brant Smith, the head football coach there at Desert o- Oasis, will join us at 320 today to talk about being the Tom Flores High School Coach of the Week and also just talk about his team moving forward and what he's going to be uh, expecting from the team the next four weeks they have non-conference games as they prepare for conference play. So uh, that's something that's coming up on the show today. Also, and we'll kind of do this in, in reverse fact, uh, at 3 o'clock we'll do uh, Cover 3 NFL News and Notes of the Day. Try to do that on the daily. Just take a quick look around the league, see what's going on. At 2.30, Mo Moten from Bleacher Report and also co-host of Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 down in Southern Cali. Uh, he's got this new opportunity at this uh, radio station, him and Scott Goldbranson, who, matter of fact, used to um, man this position that I'm in right now, this 2-4 to four slot here on Radio Nation Radio 920. They're doing a show on the Mightier 1090 down in uh, Southern Cali. So he's going to join us to talk about the piece that he put out on quarterbacks and their rankings. And it's funny because, you know, sometimes you, you look at these quarterback rankings and you kind of take them for a grain of salt or whatever. But Mo Moten does a really good job. So I'm going to go ahead and have him come on around 2.30 to talk about his rankings of the quarterbacks, where Derek Carr is at, where the rest of the quarterbacks in the AFC West are ranked, and then maybe a couple I'll just I'll just kind of cherry pick, like what quarterback here, what quarterback there, like Jameis Winston, who put on a heck of a performance last night for Monday Night Football against the Jacksonville Jaguars, where you know where he's at, and then also where are the rookie quarterbacks at, where's Trevor Lawrence at, where's Zach Wilson at, where's Justin Fields at, you know the, those kind of guys. So we'll we'll kind of cherry pick with Mo Moten. That'll come up at two thirty. Uh, but coming up in a matter of seconds, we're going to have Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas. So the Press Box, he's also from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, does a great job with that. He'll join us to talk all things Raiders, uh, you know, the preseason, what's been going on with the Silver and Black, and also give us our weekly update on UNLV as they're just a couple weeks away from the beginning of their season and a game with Eastern Washington that'll take place at Allegiant Stadium. So, DeMond, go ahead and let me know when we have Graney. Uh, we'll get him on the show. We'll talk about that. And, of course, Raider Nation, throughout the course of the show, when we don't have a guest on, we definitely want to hear from you on a bunch of different subjects, including, well, every Everything that we just rattled off at the top of the show. I used to complain about not getting breaking news. Now I have all kind of news to start the show. So uh, excited about that. So Raider Nation, we definitely want to hear from you uh, throughout the course of the show. Again, 702-365-9200. That's the Raider Nation listener line. Sam and Ash text line, 69187, keyword R&R. Probably the best way to get a hold of me right now if you're trying to do that. Again, broadcasting live from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, Raiders HQ. There was no practice today. The Raiders are basically now on the regular season practice schedule so the times are going to change and if you're used to you know us giving you reports around you know 7 30 in the morning eight o'clock and start to see some videos and some pictures uh the times are going to change and so we'll get to all that in just a few minutes but right now as promised ed graney from the espn from espn las vegas the press box does the morning show does a really good job on that you can find him on twitter at ed graney also from the las vegas review journal joins us on the show and Ed, we appreciate your time this afternoon, my man, and I want to talk some Raiders and some UNLV with you, and let's start with the Raiders. What are your thoughts on this team, man? What have you learned from this team so far in uh, the offseason and uh, the preseason up to this point? Uh, you know what, Q, I, I think there's a lot left to be known, and I think that's a really good thing because um, I'm, uh, we were talking about the show this morning. I, I cannot believe, and it's way, way back, but there was actually time in this country where we had six preseason games. I can't even fathom what in the world that looked like, so... I know there's a there's a value to preseason games, but to me, if the person means anything to you at all, I, I like the way John's played it, I like the way they plays it, where they're like, look, it's way too uh, serious to put guys at risk. So I'm not sure. I can't wait to see the first-team defense more, obviously. Um, I think Richie Incognito is very important to get back. Their yes. depth on the offensive line is kind of thin. They need him for a host of reasons. 
But more, you know, like I think maybe like you and a lot of people, I'm just interested defensively. When those guys get on the field as a unit under Gus Bradley against Baltimore on Monday night, like what are they going to look like? So I think that you know, the other thing I was looking at watching the game of the night, I think they tackle better. Now, again, we're twos and threes. Right. But they led the league in missed tackles last year. That's never a good thing. So, but I do think under Gus Bradley they're tackling a lot better, which they have to do. So that's really promising. But I'm, I'm just excited for Monday Night Football to begin the season because I really want to see that defense. I think the offense is going to lose the ball. I think they're going to score a lot of points. You know, I just want to know, can they stop somebody? Yeah, what, what's your concern level, Ed, as far as the, the depth of the linebacking core and the offensive line? Of course, we saw Javon White go down. Nicholas Morrow was, was already banged up with a foot injury. We don't know the extent of that yet. But uh, actually, two-part question. Thoughts on Javon, man? Un- unfortunate. I don't know the details of the injury yet, but it didn't look good. And then what do you think about that linebacking core? Yeah, it's, I mean, Javon, that's, that's terrible. I mean, he's young, though. He'll bounce back. We don't know what it is, but, you know, even if you – even if it's a knee in the worst case, they'll bounce back. I mean, technology and, and, and medicine in 2021, those guys are often better than when they did it. So I don't have any doubt as young as he is and as healthy as he was going in that he'll be fine. But, you know, it's, you know, he would have made the roster, obviously. He's playing really well. I think they like his aggressiveness. Um, I think they like his physicality. And I think he'll be on this team, you know, when he comes back. But it, was, it, was, it hurt, I mean, you know, especially that kid. And being a local kid, I think it's right. good when UNLV – look, UNLV doesn't send a lot of guys to the NFL. So when you not only send a guy to the NFL and you also have a local team, a new team in town, that's huge for UNLV. So I'm sure he'll be back, like I said. Um, I imagine there'll be surgery. It didn't look good. You can kind of tell you and I have watched enough to where you watch something like, eh, that's probably not good um, in terms of like this season. But uh, I'm sure he'll be back. And, you know, in terms of when you look at this linebacker depth right now, um, yeah, I think it's a concern. Um, whether it's Javon White, whether it's Nick Moore, where these guys who are hurt and have gone down, I mean, but it also goes back to, you know, I think what we've said all along, like they need Corey Littleton to be Corey Littleton before he got here. You know, that, it's a huge, huge pressure on Corey Littleton right now to, to be that guy. Nick Witowski, who I actually thought played well last year, he has to be better. It'll be really interesting. They don't play, they don't play base a lot in terms of Tanner Muse, but he's going to get a look there. What kind of player is he going to be after not seeing him last year? Um, so they're like, you know, we're hearing about KJ, right? We're also hearing about is that, is that a money deal there? You know, how much does he want? What, you know, who's going to sign him off the money? But, yeah, I mean, I think it's a concern. I think depth of the linebacker and depth of the offensive line are two things that I think John will probably go into the first game a little concerned about, uh, and that's why on Sunday I'm going to be up there for the Niners game. I don't know who we'll really see. I mean, I, I think that, you know, the last game, you want to get through healthy, you don't care what the score is, just get everyone healthy and get ready for two weeks from then. Talking right now with Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas, the Press Box. Also, uh, Las Vegas Review Journal does a great job on that. You can find Ed on Twitter, at Ed Graney. And, uh, yeah, as far as uh, the, you know, K.J. Wright situation, and I talked about it in great length today on my podcast, and I, I almost said, well, I did say, actually, Ed, that you, you don't want to go into game one without a full deck. You want to go in there right. and, with a loaded gun. I mean, it almost is one of those situations to me with the lack of depth right now, and we don't know the, the extent of Nicholas Morrow, but – you almost got to go make that move regardless. You know what I mean? You almost got to go get that move just so you're giving yourself a chance so you don't go three, four weeks into the season and say, well, you know we've been banged up to start the season. You've got to go in there with a fighting chance. Yeah, and you don't want to show – I mean, look, the money's the money, and I, you know, they're going to have to figure that out with everything in terms of that side. But you want to give Gus Bradley the best chance to succeed. I mean, you moved on from your coordinator. I understood that. Guys are – whether he deserved to move on, what's the fall guy, whatever. Guys are going to lose jobs when, when they're – side of the ball doesn't perform but now you bring in Gus Bradley you're really excited about him he's proven himself at the highest of levels obviously as a coordinator and you want to or hope to give him you know like you were saying every advantage to be good and I think signing him would give them that advantage so I'm with you if you can make the money work like I said I'm not going to pretend to be the cap guy or pretend to be what, what it would cost or who you'd right. have to move on from and, and stuff like that but if you can make the money work um, then I would make the money work and give Gus Bradley the best chance to have a good defense because that's what's going to decide over 17 games if they're in the playoffs. I think offensively, they might even be better than last year, and they were top 10 offense last year. Now they got to fix the red zone, but I can't believe over time they're just not going to do that. I mean, he's going to fix that, um, and it might already be fixed. We don't know. They haven't played a real game yet. But, yeah, I think, I think defensively he's going to answer a lot of questions this year on if they make the playoffs, and I'm with you in that if you can get the guy to fill a hole and to be a better and upgrade than what you have, then you go get him uh, and give Bradley a chance. Ed Graney is our guest right now on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. And I did want to ask you about UNLV. I like to check in with you on, you know, on the Rebels every week. And I know DeMond is always sky is falling, so he always has a question that he wants to ask you as well. well but 
I mean, we're a couple weeks away from UNLV opening up against Eastern Washington at Allegiant Stadium. That's September 2nd. Um, besides the quarterback battle, I mean, what's the biggest concern right now for the Rebels, in your opinion? Well, there's not much, there's not much difference between the college and the pro team in town. They, they need to stop people. UNLV gave up 38 points a game last year. If you give up 38 points in college, then you better be really good offensively, and they're not. So you can't give up 38 points a game. You, can, you just can't do that. So they're expecting them to be much improved. Um, it's kind of like we've heard that a lot. I've been here a long time. I've gone through a lot of coaches, and every year it's we're going to be better defensively, and they tend not to be. So they're going to have to prove it. I think DeMond would agree with that. Eventually they have to prove it. You can't keep saying that. So, you know, they'll go out there, and their secondary was really, really, uh, let's say, not good last year, but it was only six games. It was a weird year last year. And the other thing is I'll give them a pass on this. And, and, and they look, they weren't like any other team in the country in that everyone had COVID problems. Everyone, for the most part, missed spring. Everyone was kind of in the same boat. But I do think when you're bringing in a new staff, that makes it even worse. Like, you know, you're not an established staff. You don't have a spring. Guys don't know what is expected of them, really. And then they go 0-6, and and by the time the season begins, it's already over before you know it. So I do think this year with a spring, we'll see if they're better defensively. Um, You know, they have kids out there. Noel Williams was a great example as a corner. He just got thrown into a starting role as a freshman as a corner, and uh, that's not good. I mean, you've got to be really high level to go in there as a freshman and play corner, even in the Mount West. So I think they've got a chance to be better. I don't know if it's going to be, you know, uh, um, they can't be worse. They've got two seniors in, in safeties, and uh, Trey Kane and Bryce Jackson, they're back. Aaron Luce is a corner's back. So they've got guys back with experience. But, again, they've got to go prove it, man. And Eastern Washington, too, is a good test, and DeMond will know this. They had a spring season. You know, they're an FCS team. Those guys right. played in the spring. And they scored like 38 to 40 a game. So this is a, you're seeing around town numbers that go to Eastern Washington side like three and four right now. And that's mostly because they played in the spring and you know, we didn't. But it's a great test for their defense because you're going to play an FCS team who's very good offensively and who will not come into Legion Stadium worried about UNLV or scared of UNLV. So I actually think it's a great test for them now. They're going to get into issues with Iowa State, who I read this morning the paper has more first-team All-Americans than any team in the country. So that's a completely different level. I think Eastern Washington's a great start for them to see if this defense is better. And before I pass it on to DeMond so he can ask his, like I said, sky is falling question, I did want to ask about that quarterback battle. What is your opinion? Uh, who's the leader in the clubhouse right now? Oh, man. This is a good <laughs> I, Okay, I believe, at least in the opener, I believe in the opener that um, Doug Brumfield will start. I think he'll start. Okay. Um, I just I think when you're a royal and you've talked for so long the how important spring was to pick up the system. You bring Tate Martell in late. He had surgery on his hand before he got there. It's a really hard start. It's almost like a Justin Fields thing where you're like, you know, he's eventually going to be the guy, but he's not starting game one. Right. I, I'll put Tate Martell in the Justin Fields mode of he's not going to start with game one, but he's eventually going to be the guy. So I think Brumfield starts, and here's the thing, Brumfield starts and they win 40-20, to 20, and then Brumfield starts the next week. I mean, it's one of those things where in the back of your mind, like Tate's eventually probably going to be the guy, and, and the results are going to dictate when that happens. Right, you get the uh, the hot man stays on, right? <laughs> it's like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, if Doug Brumfield goes 3-0 and they beat number 7 Iowa State, I'm not taking him out of the, I'm not taking him out of the lineup. No, no, it's like a, it's like an old pickup game on the hoop court, you know, the, the yes. team that winners stay on. <laughs> yes. That's it. Got, That's yeah, it. exactly. Winners stay on. All right, Damon, here you go. Here's your time to shine. What do you got for Ed? All right, Ed, I got to say, I didn't even tell you this, Q. I saw Tate Martell at the Bishop Gorman game, you know, a Bishop Gorman alum, and let me tell you, he's looking like QB1 to me. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's all I got to say. Tate Martell, like, just from the look, the cut of his jib, you know, Tate Martell, <laughs> QB1. The only person in town with the expertise to look at a kid in, t- in a T-shirt and jeans and say, that's my QB1. That's it. I'm with you, DeMond. I do, do look, DeMond, I think he's the QB1. I don't think he's the QB1 on opening. And here's the thing. He might be QB1 on opening night if they're down 20 at half. <laughs> right. you know, so this might happen pretty fast. Or even if they're down 10 at the half, in which against Eastern Washington, probably not, but you never know. Um, I'm with DeMond, though. I think he'll be QB1 pretty fairly. Their, their, their schedule is tough enough. They play Iowa State and Arizona State. Where a kid like Drum, uh, Brumfield probably won't be it for a long time. I suspect Tate will go pretty quickly because after Eastern Washington, even at Texas San Antonio, people say well, that's a weird game. Well, it's on the road and it's against a team who just goes to bowl games. They're like the you know they're like the Arkansas States of recent years where they'll go to bowl games every year, but nobody really knows who they are. Like uh, who are those people? And then you play them like oh god, they're good. Right. Like that's Texas San Antonio, and they have to go down there to play them. It, they won't be favored down there, so 
I'm with DeMond. I was not at the Gorman game. I have seen Tate Martell a million times in my life, but I'm going to trust DeMond that he looked better the other night than he ever has, and he's going to be QB1. Well, be careful there, trusting DeMond. But, uh, oh, yeah. I, don't need, I don't need to see him in pads. I don't need to see a single throw. Black <laughs> hey, T-shirt, Q, you, backwards hat, QB1. Q, you got to be happy. Uh, before we go, you got to be happy about Cliff Branch, huh? Yes, and that's exactly how I wanted to end it. I wanted to ask yeah. you about Cliff Branch finally being selected as a senior yeah. finalist for the Hall of Fame class. He's the sole senior finalist. So, I mean, I don't want to jinx anything. I don't want to be that guy. But that just about rubber stamps him into the Hall. I think it does. You know, the thing about Cliff was – I've written and said this, and I think you'll agree. Um, also, you know, he cha- Ray Guy changed the game at his position. I think Cliff Branch changed the game at his position. Like, that to me is a Hall of Famer. Like, I mean, there's obvious ones like Brady, yeah, like 100 rings and stuff. I get that. But, like, Hall of Famers to me is like, did you, were you good enough to where people had to, you know, defend you differently or react differently? Cliff Branch has three rings and was good enough, uh, was good enough because of his deep threat and what he did as a player and in the playoffs. And Ray Guy was the same way. Ray Guy changed the game because of his punting and people had to defend and, 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 and special teams had to change on him. So I think Cliff uh, will be in. Uh, Shamey's not going to be there to see it. Um, but you know what? I know Mr. Davis will be there and they'll have a great, you know, great contingent uh, of people there for him. And uh, yeah, it was, um, it was really cool to see that. Yeah, no, it really was. And Ed, I mean, you're spot on. The, the definition of a guy that's a Hall of Famer is you cannot write the story of the NFL without this guy. And, right, exactly. And that's who Cliff Branch is to a T. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. It's it's time and um so I, I'm I'm really glad for, for you know for everyone here for his family and for everyone who knew him. Absolutely. And Ed, before I let you go, I do want to find out, man, what you got coming up on the press box tomorrow and then also what's go- going on on uh, Las Vegas Review Journal as well. Uh well we'll be back um well tomorrow. we always have uh Sam and Ash on a Wednesday. We have uh, football guests. I'll be out getting my uh, uh test. I think I'm probably gonna see you out there getting oh, yeah. tested and uh <laughs> yep. Raiders are changing Raiders are changing their uh, practice times, which is really going to help the press box, which is good for me, and uh, I can get out there later and uh, see the practice. Um, and in the paper, the same thing. I'll be up in San Francisco uh, with Vinny um, this weekend for the game, and then I wish the opener was the following week, but they're going to get two weeks to get ready. Right, exactly. Well, good stuff. And, yeah, it's uh, them changing the, the practice time is good for you, bad for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. It happens. It happens. But, Ed, I appreciate you, brother. Hey, great stuff as always, man. I'll see you out there tomorrow when we get our COVID test, and uh, we'll chop it up then. I appreciate you. Awesome. Thanks, you. Thanks, Simon. See you. There he goes. Ed Graney right there, ESPN Las Vegas, the press box. You can catch him every single morning, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. with Tyler Bischoff. They do a great job breaking it all down and, of course, here with us giving us a little Raider talk and some UNLV talk as we want to make sure that we uh, stay up to date what's going on with the Rebels as well. Coming up next, man, we're going to keep this party rolling. Mo Moten from Bleacher Report and also co-host of Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090. He's coming up to talk about quarterback and the rankings. He put out an article today, and we'll break it all down. We'll do it next. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920. All right, Carolina, I see on your on your Twitter bio it says pro wrestling ring announcer. Hey, can I get a you're listening to Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio in your ring announcer voice? Wait, it's got to be Raider Nation Radio 920. Oh, Raider Nation Radio 920, excuse me. You are listening to Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Boom! There Loved it is. It. Good one, Damon. That was the best thing he contributed all day. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. And we're back here on Unnecessary Roughness live from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Raiders HQ will be out here tomorrow afternoon for practice as they've kind of shifted the times of their practice. They're now into regular season mode. Even though it's not quite the regular season, they got their final preseason game of the year coming up uh, this Sunday against the San Francisco 49ers, 1 p.m. kickoff for that game. Uh, right now, we're going to go out to the Raider Nation hotline and get our guy Mo Moten from Bleacher Report, also co-host of Silver and Black Tonight on the Mightier 1090 out in Southern Cali. And before we get into your article, Mo, congratulations on the co-host and the, the, new, uh, the new gig, the new little radio show. Man, I appreciate that. Like I said, you guys having me on every, we every week really helped. Getting on with Evan Grote, as you know, who's on Radio Nation Radio a lot. That, that really prepared me for this opportunity, and I'm just excited to get started with Scott. Yeah, no, it's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, shout-out to Scott as well, Scott Goldbranson, and uh, and yourself for doing this and, and continuing to you know bring that Raider coverage, and you can never get too much Raider coverage. So uh, congratulations again to you two, and I hope you guys uh, have plenty of success, and maybe one of these days I get to be a guest on your show. But uh, right now, 
<laughs> right now. Come on, you're, always, you're always invited to this. <laughs> I'll be serious. You know me, man. I can't. I can't get enough. I can't get enough. I, I, I bring it on myself. I can't get enough. But I want to talk about your article. It's something that everyone looks forward to each and every year. There's certain guys. Uh, Mike Sando is one of them who puts out a great piece for the Athletic. But you always do a great job every year uh, putting out your quarterback rankings, and this was no different uh, this year. And so I'm not going to go through every single one of them, and I'm not going to um, come at your come at your neck for ranking certain guys at certain places, like I know some fans do. But just wanted to get your thoughts on the different rankings that you had and and the article on Bleacher Report is called and I'll tell you exactly word for word so you can go look it up if you uh, have not seen it yet ranking every NFL starting quarterback entering the 2021 season so there you go right there that's the title of it and so let's jump right into it and let's talk about the rookies first before we get into the AFC West let's talk about the rookies they're all basically at the the bottom end of the uh, of the um, the article and that's really in my opinion because well they, they ha- haven't had anything they haven't had any action yet and uh, I think Trevor Lawrence is the highest at number 22 right now. So I want you to explain why the rookies are ranked where they are so far and how much does – well, they just haven't been in the NFL yet. Does that play into this uh, this article? Well, you just said it. They haven't played the NFL down, so it's impossible to know how they translate to the program regardless of what they did on the collegiate level. But when your ranking started quarterbacks, you assume Zach Wilson's going to start. I know Urban Meyer is trying to say that Gardner Minshew could start. I, I tweeted out yesterday telling people that – Gardner Mitchell could start like telling adults that Santa Claus is real. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> but what you what you do is you do a projection. So basically, what do you think that how do you think that quarterback is going to perform this year? And that's how I applied their positions. Zach Wilson at thirty, as you said, Trevor Lawrence at twenty-two. Just looking at their collegiate resumes, Zach Wilson has one full year as a starting quarterback. Had some injury issues early before he broke out. Trevor Lawrence has been in the spotlight since he was a true freshman. Been to the college football playoffs three times. So you have to look at the body of work in college and what Trevor Lawrence has gone up against and what Zach Wilson has gone up against, and that's how you get their places of uh, 30 and 22 respectively. So I think Trevor Lawrence is going to have a decent year. I know he's had some struggles behind that offensive line, but I think once the Jaguars settle down, he'll have some pretty good games. Yeah, and Mo, just sticking with Trevor Lawrence and what's going on with Jacksonville, uh, how crushing is the news for, for Trevor Lawrence and the whole team about Travis Etienne? Uh, he's got the lens, lens frank, uh, the, the dreaded lens frank injury, and he has to have surgery. Uh, looks like he's going to probably miss the entire season. I mean, that's that was going to be a go-to guy for Trevor Lawrence throughout the course of the season. How much is that going to be a setback for the Jaguars? I think it's going to be a bit of a setback because I think uh, Urban Meyer is going to use him as like a Percy Harvey-like player where he was going to catch a lot of passes and run the ball. But they do have James Robinson from last year, who's fifth in rushing. So I think he can pick back up and be their bell cow with Carlos High right behind him. Talking right now with Mo Moten from Bleacher Report, also the co-host of Silver and Black Tonight on the Mightier 1090. I uh, did want to ask you now about the AFC West as far as your quarterback mm-hmm. rankings go. Uh, we'll go from uh, the lowest to the highest. And so we start off with the Broncos, their quarterback situation. Drew Locke, he's ranked at number 29. Bridgewater, you don't have listed, but if he was going to be the starter mm-hmm. for sure, you'd have him ranked in your article, you said, at 29 as well. Uh, just... That's just a bad situation as far as I'm concerned in Denver with that quarterback situation. But uh, what was what was it that made you put him in, in 29 and feel comfortable about that ranking? It's basically what we've seen during the preseason and what we've seen in his first two seasons of July. He can look great and, and throw a bomb 40, 50 yards downfield, and you think, okay, he has the explosive playmaking skills. And then you look at him in, in the next week, he's throwing picks, he's off, he's off target. You just don't know what you're going to get from him week to week. When you got a quarterback who's that erratic, you can go from hot to cold like that. Can't put him higher in the rankings, so he's at the bottom. And I said Teddy Bridgewater would be in the same spot simply because he just doesn't have the value. He needs he needs a lot of pieces around him to carry him to a win. He need, I, th- I believe he needs a run game. He's a strong defense. Uh, he reminds me of a better version of Charles Taylor where maybe he's not mobile, but he's not going to give you a lot of volume through the air. I believe he hasn't thrown more for more than 15 touchdowns in a single season, so... Again, he's going to need a lot of help around him. Right, and I was never a Teddy Bridgewater guy. I never thought that Teddy Bridgewater was the end-all, be-all. It's a hell of a story. I, I love right. the fact that he's still in the league and he's still competing and you know getting jobs, and he had a nice opportunity in Carolina. It just didn't work out. But I just never thought that Teddy B was a, a guy that was going to lead you to the promised land. Even when he was in Minnesota, it was more of the defense and the run game, and Teddy B was the guy that just kind of – guided the ship you know don't sink it <laughs> you know right. so that that's just seems is. like that's who he's been right exactly and so of course uh if you go up from 29 that's where the broncos are at with their quarterback situation then next you have 
the Raiders and Derek Carr. He's at there at number 13, and he's penciled in between Kirk Cousins at 14 and Matt Stafford at number 12. Um, it seems like those three guys are kind of always clumped in together. Uh, what's your thought when it comes to D.C. at number 13, which, which off top, I have no problem with that ranking. Yeah, that was a tough one because initially I had D.C. at 12. Okay. But I moved, I moved them back a spot because if you look at his ball security issues, and that's something that I worry about with the Raiders changing the offensive line. As you know, they can have two or three new starters there. Richie Incognito is already banged up with a calf strain. We don't know what his test is going to be, even though they're hopeful. So when you have a card at pocket, this is, this is where I worry about Derek Carr. And, and as Kurt Warner put out his film breakdown of Carr, sometimes he still you know, sells for the check down over the big play over the top. I think he needs to see more of that. We did see it last year, and it worked out well against teams like the Chiefs and the Saints. We just need to see a little bit more of it, and I think if he shows a little bit more of that, he could possibly move up to 10, because a lot of people have asked do you see Derek Carr moving into the top 10 if he has a great season? And I say yes, and I, and I believe he will get paid off of that. But just like, just like the Raiders, I need to see it, because I feel like if Derek Carr was a top 10 quarterback, the Raiders would have paid him and well, extended him already, because if, you, if you're a football team in this league with quarterback position, most important position, if you have a top 10 quarterback, you do what it takes to keep that guy. And I think the Raiders still, like I do, want to see just a little bit more from Derek Hart who's growing under John Gruden. No doubt about it. We're talking right now with Mo Moten from Bleacher Report, also co-host of Silver and Black Tonight on Mightier 1090, Southern California. And I, I, I got to ask you this question. I'm not trying to open up a can of worms because I, I've been, <laughs> I have a tendency to go off on this subject. But Matt Stafford, I mean, he's there at number 12. That's fine. He's, I mean, he's one spot ahead of, of uh, Derek Carr. But he's always, to me, Mo, been labeled you know, this elite quarterback. And I've never seen anything elite from him. Does he have good arm strength? Absolutely. But – just like D.C., he doesn't have the wins and losses. Or the win-loss record isn't in his favor. And also, he's turned the ball over a ton. You know, And, and obviously, Carr doesn't throw as many interceptions as, as Stafford does. But like you said, the ball security in the pocket is something to, to be an issue. So why does Matt Stafford always get the, get the pass as far as I'm concerned? I think he has passed number one because he was the number one overall pick. I believe he was comeback player of the year in 2011. And he has the gaudy passing numbers on a bad football team. And this is why I said I had initially I had Carr at 12 because two things with Matthew Stafford. One, I think he went from being underrated to overrated. <laughs> I'm seeing Matt Staff- No, I'm seeing Matt Stafford in some QB rankings where he's top, where he's eight or seven, and I'm right. thinking that's too high. That's yeah. way too high. I agree. Because if he, was that, if he was that good, the Lions would win more games. The second thing is he's had some injury issues. He, yep. he missed half the 2019 season. And he battled through injuries last year, didn't miss any games, but I believe he had he, he spoke to the athletic Jordan Rodriguez, Jordan Rodriguez, and he missed he didn't miss any games, but had some practice issues there, didn't didn't uh, just didn't have it dialed in throughout the whole season because of those injuries. And I'm thinking at 33 years old, he could be breaking down playing with the Lions behind some of their shaky offensive lines. It could be some issues there. Of course, you have faith in Sean McVay to get him going, but. I don't think he's a top ten quarterback by any means. I think he's pretty much average. All right, good stuff. I like that. I like. It. We're talking right now with Mo Moten from Bleacher Report, talking about his quarterback rankings. Uh, just finished talking about Derek Carr, who's sitting at number thirteen. The next quarterback in the AFC West, of course, that's Chargers quarterback Justin Herbert. Uh, he's at number eleven, so just a couple spots ahead of DC. Uh, Mo, any concern? Because I like Justin Herbert. Think he's a hell of a quarterback. Any concern with the new coaching staff that it may kind of uh, take a, make Justin Herbert kind of take a step back? Yes, and I thought about that, and there was a lot of pushback saying, well, Justin Herbert has a new coaching staff. And my answer to that is, well, he came in his rookie year, right? Uh, didn't know that coaching staff, came from the collegiate level, didn't have a full offseason, had a shaky offensive line. Austin Eckler started running back without. The defense was pretty much mediocre to, to subpar, at least 23rd in scoring. Yet, one offensive player of the year, offensive rookie of the year, Broke a, broke a couple of records, most completions, most passing touchdowns for a rookie, and he was affected on third down and in the red zone, I believe. Uh, most touchdowns in those situations for a rookie since uh, 2010. So he comes into the league, again, doesn't have the same opportunity as Justin Fields and Zach Wilson and, and, and just uh, Trevor Lawrence to show his skills in the preseason, and he still puts up those numbers and he's still effective. So I think, you know, with that said, Joe Lombardi, not a great track record as offensive coordinator, but I think Justin Herbert can overcome it with those weapons. He has Keenan Allen. He has Mike Williams. He has Austin Eckler back. I think he's going to have a pretty good season. My worry is 
how is he going to do in these full stadiums? Now, as you know, the NFL, he didn't have fans last year. So how is he going to do when the, when the fans chanting and he's got to calm down maybe a teammate who's a little jittery, maybe he's a little jittery? Right. How is he going to do in full stadiums? That's my worry with Justin Herbert. No doubt about it. And, uh, of course, the number one spot and the number one spot overall, not just in the AFC West, but overall in your rankings goes to Patrick Mahomes of the Chiefs. Uh, in your opinion, how long does uh, Patrick Mahomes hold on to that number one spot? For as long as he wants. No, I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I mean, let, let's, be, let's be honest here. He, he's, you know, most people say he's the best quarterback in the league. Uh, yep. Look at what he's done. Took the Chiefs to the Super Bowl in the last two seasons. One of two players with 50-plus touchdowns uh, and 5,000-plus passing yards in a single season. I think he's only going to go from, uh, up from here. This is, what, his fourth year, third year starting. Of course, he sat behind Alex Smith for a year. So young in his career, he's done so much already. Right. It's hard to doubt that he's going to be number one for, for a bit, for a while. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. I, I tell the story all the time of being at the at the draft. I was on the the end of the Rocky Steps. I was standing there at the bottom with a couple other guys in the media, and as soon as the Chiefs traded up, I before they was announced, I was like, oh, my gosh, I know exactly who they're trading up for. Patrick Mahomes is going to be a problem, and he is, and you got to give him that credit. He's a hell of a quarterback. Uh, it's, it's crazy. I know Texas Tech fans aren't too happy because he didn't win a whole lot in college, but he's going on and doing some big things in the NFL, and so uh, the Red Raiders are sitting there thinking, what in the world happened to us? And they all look back at Cliff King. Kingsbury. And so, uh, good stuff, Mo. Before I let you go, I did want to ask about one quarterback that wasn't in the AFC West, and uh, he was actually on Monday Night Football last night, Jameis Winston. He looked all of the part of a starting quarterback. He had some good numbers, made some nice deep ball passes. He's now under Sean Payton for another year, who's uh, just a great offensive mind. Uh, what are your thoughts on Jameis Winston? I, I forget where you had him ranked. I think it was 21st, but I'm not 100% sure yep. on that. Yes, that's correct. That's correct. Okay, there you go. What are your thoughts on Jameis Winston? Did he earn that starting job uh, in, in New Orleans last night? Oh, absolutely, because number one, I never believed in the Taysom Hill experiment. I never thought he was a starting quarterback in this league. I believe he's best as a Swiss Army Knife as they've been using him. I believe people are underrating Jameis Winston because of what he did in Tampa Bay. Um, turnovers, I get it. That's the, that's the biggest knock on him. He throws mm-hmm. a ton of picks. I get it. But he, he's had laser surgery. He's had a year to sit behind you, Reeves. He's under Sean Payton. I think he'd be a much more efficient player in that system, having having sat and uh, especially behind a, a future Hall of Fame quarterback. So I think he's going to get the job done this year. He's going to keep that offense competitive as long as he keeps the turnovers down, he'll stretch the field. And when once Michael Thomas comes back, I believe that Saints offense will be pretty decent. Yeah, you know, it's funny, Mo. I really kind of laughed at him when he signed that very minimal deal to sign with New Orleans last season and sit behind Drew Brees and, and be in that room with Sean Payton. I kind of laughed at it because, hey, man, in this league, you got to be able to get as much money as possible. And he signed for a very, very minimal deal. But it looks like now it has an opportunity to pay off. And it looks like, especially after the show in last night, it's already paid off. So uh, kind of rooting for Jameis to go ahead and make it happen and see what he can do in New Orleans with Sean Payton. Good stuff. As always, Mo, I definitely appreciate you. Besides your quarterback rank, what else you got coming out on Bleacher Report that fans should be on the lookout for? You do a great job there. And then what do you guys have coming up on the, the Mightier 1090 uh, later on this week uh, for Silver and Black tonight? A lot of fantasy football stuff coming up on Bleacher Report. So I, I think Henry Ruggs is going to be a guy a lot of people should look out for if we're going to keep it Raider-related. Okay. I think he's going to have a pretty decent season. People are saying, well, we'll see because a lot of buzz about CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy during the preseason. I actually think Henry Ruggs is going to have a pretty decent year. I also talk about cuts coming up because that's a big deal. Sad news to hear about Marcel Amen, especially after what uh, he scored a touchdown that preseason game against the Rams, and Derek Carr congratulated him. I think he'll eventually catch on, but I'll touch on some roster cuts around the league, some of the biggest names that can hit the market. As far as the Mighty 1090 with Scott Gobranson, with a preview the Raiders' last preseason game against the 49ers. The Raiders are going to go over. Uh, maybe some cuts the Raiders could make before the 53 and what we saw in the second preseason game against the Rams. And, of course, Nate Hobbs, who I believe is going to be the starting slot cornerback, and Nevin Lawson is going to be looking for a job pretty soon. There you go. Good stuff right there. That's Mo Moten. You can find him on Twitter, at Mo Moten, and uh, definitely with us here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Thank you so much for your time. Great job on the article as always, my man. I appreciate you. We'll be talking soon. Make sure you tell Scott I said hello. All right. Appreciate you. Hey, shout out to Damon Cotton. And remember, Q, you're invited anytime you want to come on to my name. And anyway, Scott, you're invited. You're part of the fam. So come on and join us. For sure, man. I appreciate that. Just let me know I'm there. (laughs) Gotcha.
There he is, Mo Moten. Great job right there. He put out his uh, his his yearly rankings of NFL starting quarterbacks. DC at number thirteen. He's got uh, the Denver Broncos tandem of Drew Locke and uh, and Teddy Bridgewater at number twenty nine. So DC at thirteen, Justin Herbert at eleven, and then you have Patrick Mahomes at number one. So I would love to hear your thoughts, Raider Nation seven zero two three six five ninety two hundred. Want to hear your thoughts on the rankings that Mo put out there on the quarterbacks? Do you think DC is ranked where he should be or at thirteen? Should he be higher? Should he be lower? Thoughts on Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, of course, at number one. Uh, want to hear from you? Want to hear from you on everything we've been talking about so far on the show, which is a lot. Of course, Cliff Branch, uh, the great news on him. Feel like he's about to. Uh, get uh, inducted into Canton, Ohio, into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Looks like he's that much closer. I'm very excited about that. Uh, also, Lynn Bowden Jr., he's been put on IR, so he will not play this year for the Dolphins. Uh, there's so much news and notes that have been going on throughout the course of the show so far. We're only 49 minutes in, but we definitely want to hear from you. 702-365-9200, Sam and Ash text line, 69187, keyword R&R. Of course, hit up SamAndAshLaw.com because you deserve what's right. And, of course, you can always tweet at us as well. At your boy Q254, that's my Twitter account. And then Raider Nation Radio at r and 920 AM. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Just had a really good conversation with Mo Moten from Bleacher Report, also uh, co-host of Silver and Black Tonight on the Mightier 1090. Him and Scott Goldbranson, they're collaborating to do a one-hour show on Friday night there in Southern California, so big shout-out to both of them for that. That's a cool little adventure that they got going on. Uh, but he was doing an article on quarterback rankings. He had D.C. at number 13. He had the, the situation in Denver at number 29. He had Justin Herbert at number 11 for the Chargers and, of course, Patrick Mahomes at number 1. So I was looking for some feedback from that, uh, feedback from everything we've been talking talking about so far on the show 702-365-9200 Raider Nation listener line Sam and Ash text line 69187 keyword R&R and of course you can always hit us up on Twitter at R&R at R&R 920 AM excuse me and uh, just when Wendy hit us up on Twitter appreciate your point of view talking to Mo Moten on the quarterbacks and appreciate the explanations and reasons why I'm not on board with Dak Prescott in the top 10 but most if the rest I see so uh, basically she agrees with everything that Mo said uh, as far as the the rankings of the quarterbacks except for uh, Dak Prescott who she doesn't see as a top 10 quarterback uh, who I can say from a situation where I've covered him for a while uh, unfortunate that he got injured last year again I hate to see injuries to anybody I don't care who it is um, I, I think that he has an opportunity to be really good I do and he's got a lot of weapons there in Big D uh, they just got to put it all together but I think that um, I think that Dak Prescott's got an opportunity to be a really good quarterback but just win Wendy thank you so much for that tweet I definitely appreciate you now let's go out to the Raider Nation listener line real quick got a couple calls before we get to the top of the hour start things off down in Southern Cal with my guy Gangster Raider what's on your mind my man what's up Q I want to say good looking out on that news about Cliff. You know what I'm saying? It's about time, and we need to start the discussion on Jim Plunkett, too. You know what I'm saying? It's about time Jim Plunkett, a two-time Super Bowl winning quarterback, get over it in there, too. You know what I'm saying? I want to talk about what y'all was talking about earlier, about the um, biggest Raider haters in national media. You know what I'm saying? The whole ESPN, they be hating on the Raiders, but especially Mark Schlereth. You know that Mark Schlereth, that former um, Denver Donkey lineman? Yep. They'll be talking talking all the nonsense about the Raiders, him, and it's his other dude. It's two dudes, well, really three of them on this show called Fox Bet Live, um, Ty Furman, Clay Davis, and Cousin Sal. They be hating all day on the Raiders. They have blatant hate. Like, cause they, it's like a daily, a daily show where you place your bets or whatever, mm-hmm. and any time they get to try to throw some kind of shade or negativity towards the Raiders' way, they do it. You know what I mean? And you know Skip and Shannon they the biggest Raider. Well, Shannon Sharp is one of the biggest Raider haters of all because, you know, he played for the Donkeys, too. Right. And Skip Bayless, he like he be like half in, half out. He's like he is with the Clippers. Like, he tried to, like, root for the Clippers when we think we're we we going to win, but then as soon as we start doing bad, he hop off the bandwagon. That's kind of how he is with the Raiders. He'll kind of try, he'll try to um, compliment the Raiders because he knew Al Davis and he believes in John Gruden or whatever. But as soon as something go wrong, he'll – He'll jump off the bad wagon and throw us under the bus when he's a um, cowgirl fan, a broke back mountain cowgirl fan. You know what I'm saying? And I believe, even though I'm not a Derek Carr supporter, I think Derek Carr is better than Dak Prescott. Okay. 
Fair enough. Thank you for the call. Appreciate you. Good stuff right there. Uh, Gangster Raider uh, bringing the heat. And I'll tell you right now, I don't pay attention to Skip Bayless. Uh, he's one of those guys that he just says irrelevant stuff. He just says stuff to get a reaction. I don't take those guys seriously. I think that they're a shame to the business, to people like us, uh, like JT and Clay and myself and Vinny, who bring you – what we believe. We tell you the honest to God truth. Even if it's not what you agree with, we still bring you what we believe so we can have an open and honest discussion. Those cats on those shows like that that just throw out there something stupid just to get you to get a you know a reaction out of you, I, I know it drives the ratings and they're paid really well, but I got too much respect for myself. I couldn't be that dude. I couldn't sit there in that chair and make the money he makes and say stuff that I don't believe. I just I just couldn't do it. I couldn't look at myself in the mirror. Uh, I like to consider myself you know pretty honest with everyone, and uh, that's, that's just how I roll. So thank you so much for that call. Appreciate you. Uh, next up, and then we'll close out the hour. Raider Mike, what's on your mind, my man? What's up, you? Chilling, um, man, chilling. Anyway, heart is swelling for Cliff finally getting yes, in. Yes, yes. Again, Kenny Stabler style post-mortem. Right. sucks. It's horrifying. But hopefully his family gets to enjoy that day. One of the best Raiders ever. Love him. I've got every rookie, his card, all the way through every card he's ever made. So class act. Now, like uh, Gangster just said, Plunk needs to get in. Uh, Greg Townsend, yeah. the judge, the assassin. Um, and I'd say Phil Villopiano, too. So the, let's, we got more work to do is what I'm trying to say. So we keep busting these lines at Raider Nation. And I go on other stations as well, ESPN Florida, Rip City Radio, I'm touting the uh-huh. same thing. So yeah. the more we put, put it out, the more pressure we put on these voters. So anyway, as far as the Raider haters... <laughs> I've been doing a lot of sports radio for 30 years, so I've, I've heard it. I've taken the brunt of it, especially the past 18 years. It's just been it's been brutal for me, but now I can just look them in the face and go, I see the fear in your eye. <laughs> We're coming. We're loaded. <laughs> Got to fix the linebacker situation. Yep. Full-on press for K, KJ Wright. Yeah, we I agree. have to get him in a uniform, silver and black. It has to happen. And if it does, we're going to make a long, deep run and make all these Raider haters look stupid. The greenies of the world. The cowherds. You know why cowherd hates us so much? Because he grew up a sea chicken fan right up the street from him. Right. And we owned them the entire time they're in the AFC West. We stomped them into the ground. They got close at 83, and we still stomp them in the AFC Championship. So, anyway... That's all I got to say for today. Raiders. There you go. Appreciate you. Raider Mike right there. Great way to close out our number one. Lots of good feedback right there. Gangster Raider, we also appreciate you. Just win Wendy. Appreciate the tweet as well. Coming on back, we're going to kick off our number two live from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, Raiders HQ. We got cover three, but I'll take a couple more calls if you want to hit us up at 702-365-9200. This is Unnecessary Roughness on the Raiders flagship, Raider Nation Radio 920.